Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ringers, Philly Special, Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak, ace producer, Cliff Augustine, and I believe a special guest, right, Ben? I saw you, your uh, puppy sitting. Who is who is the puppy that is our special guest yeah. for this pod? No, so I've, it's, um, it's not at my house, so I'm dog-sitting a, okay. a different dog who's at my house, but my, my friends have a, have a puppy who's like nine, ten weeks old at this point, who's still at, at their house and just needs to be let out in the middle of the day. Uh, so this is a tiny little golden doodle puppy, and they also have a large adult golden doodle. So it's just a big dog, and then like the miniature version of the dog. <laughs> Extremely cute, very attention starved. Not used to being home like with nobody around during the day. Uh, and so it's a good time going over there. There's two dogs and three cats, and so you walk in the house, and it's just like a zoo. It's a total bonanza. <laughs> I got cat scratches all over. Uh, the cats are jumping all on top. The dogs are going at, at the shins. Got dog scratches on the shins couldn't be happier there you go so ben is playing hurt but happy i guess it w- would be the way uh to late in the season it. all right everybody's hurt you just gotta power through there you go we're bringing him inside for a little bit here away from the puppies away from the cats to talk a little eagle do you guys you guys don't bag. have pets do you we don't have pets. We have fish. We had fish. The fish things happen. We don't speak of it. Uh, that's for that's for another episode. I would like to get the fish back, uh, but we we will see when and if that happens. Not a dog family. Not a cat family. Nothing with four legs. We don't have anything with four legs. We go across the street. We pet Diesel. We hang out with Diesel across the street. But uh, Diesel's yeah, a good nothing name. Uh, of our own. So yeah, it's a it's a fun dog. He barks at all strangers on the street. But if he knows you, then he loves you. So that's that's our uh, pet experience right now. We'll see if it changes in the future. Who knows? Anything is possible. All right. We asked for your Eagles questions. You sent in your Eagles questions. There's not a lot going on, but you did. I, I thought it was interesting. There are some themes that like several of you hit on. So we're definitely going to get to those. But other, other than that, it'll be just kind of qu- a quick and easy episode where we uh, catch up on some things Eagles related, where we look ahead a little bit, where we answer some big picture questions. And then we will be on our way. All right, let's get to it. Tom, question number one says, do you think between the schedule and the moves the Cowboys made that the Eagles are still in good position to win the division and get the number one seed? 
I was thinking, I feel like we haven't talked a lot about the Cowboys, you and I, on like mm-hmm. any of our pods, the national pod or uh, this pod, this offseason. So I, I don't think I know exactly what you think about the Dallas Cowboys. So what do you think about that gap, theoretical gap, closing gap, widening gap between the Eagles uh, and Cowboys and whether the Eagles are in better position, the same position or worse position than they were last year? I think the Cowboys did a lot of the roster things that if you'd asked me at the end of their season after they lost to the Niners in the playoffs, like what do the Cowboys need to do to kind of actually like shore up the leaky gaps in the roster? Like, They've got a lot of the big stuff done. They need to handle some of the little stuff. Like, what do they need to do? If you asked me what they should do, I would have given you a pretty similar list to what they ended up doing. Like, I think getting Stephon Gilmore and getting a more consistent corner too, outside corner opposite Trevon Diggs was an important move. I think Brandon Cooks was a critical move. I think their wide receiver room outside of C.D. Lane was really rough. They put a lot of eggs in the Michael Gallup basket and he got hurt. I thought that bringing uh, Brandon Cooks in was a great thing. And both those guys are veterans. You know what I'm saying? A little bit long in the tooth, but those guys you can set your watch to. Uh, improving that interior defensive line have long criticized the the uh, the Cowboys for not having size on the interior and they get a nose tackle first round of Mozzie Smith big fella right like they did a lot of the stuff that I would have told you the Cowboys need to do so if I still classified the Cowboys as a serious team I'd be concerned about them but this team gave offensive <laughs> play calling to Mike McCarthy so they lost the designation of serious team and ergo I don't really care you know what I'm saying like like that's the thing is like if if they kept the things that made them good and then did the little stuff to vault up a tier. It's a separate conversation. They did not do that. They, they Kellen Moore wasn't perfect, but they took play calling out of Kellen Moore's hands and gave it to Mike McCarthy. They could get prime Zeke back. They could get prime Tyron Smith back. They could get Amari Cooper back in the building. Get T.O. back in the building. There's a lot that they could do. You know what I'm saying? Or T.O.'s never a cowboy. T.O.'s dancing on the star. You can get any good Tony Romo. No, get T.O. was a cowboy. He was? was cowboy. That, okay, that, yeah, that's yeah, my okay. quarterback. Remember crying, Tony Romo? I, yeah. I thought, see, I thought he was. And then my head yeah. went to him dancing on the star in a Niners uniform. And I was like, am I conflating this? But regardless, they get a lot of guys back. I don't take a Mike McCarthy. I, it, it took a lot to make me take a Mike McCarthy coached team seriously. <laughs> now this is a team that is coached and play called by Mike McCarthy. I am, I, I'm not too scared of the Cowboys simply for that reason alone, which may be derivative, maybe oversimplifying it feels like a summer take but i'll tell you i'll be singing the same tune in september uh, i don't see how this works for the team i feel this i i honestly feel the same way i mean you look at it personnel wise they've got a very good team they were a very good team last year they were 12 and 5 they had a plus 125 point differential last year i mean they took it to the eagles defense late in the season last year i think the cowboys misidentified what their issues were and misaddressed how to take the next step to become a Super Bowl contender. And for exactly what you said, I mean, if you look at it statistically and you just look at when they've had Dak Prescott with Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator over the last four years, they've operated like the second best offense in the NFL over a four-year span in terms of EPA per play. Like, yeah, did it stink last year in the playoffs when they faced the 49ers? Absolutely. They had issues. That's one game. You know, that's more of a, hey, how do we help this? How do we tweak it? Adding Brandon Cook, stuff like that. That helps. That's not a let's change offensive coordinators to someone who the most probable outcome is that he's worse than the previous offensive coordinator. Right. And that's what they did, moving from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy. So I'm with you. I mean, I can't get over that. Like, I would be tempted to pick the Cowboys, to come out of the NFC, to win the NFC East. But I am not doing that with Mike McCarthy calling the offense and being the head coach there. So uh, I agree with you there. Personnel-wise, Gilmore and Diggs, that's a formidable tandem. Brandon Cooks, I mean, he he produces everywhere he goes and teams can't wait to get rid of him. But for one year, uh, he's a very good wide receiver with with CeeDee Lamb. And Michael Gallup is a year removed uh, from his injury. So they lose Zeke. That's not a big deal to me. They lose Dalton Schultz at tight end. Now running back is a little bit thin. Remember Tony Pollard got injured. Uh, I think it was in the playoffs, right? Uh, last year. And so he's like their number one guy behind him. It's Ronald Jones and Deuce Vaughn. And by the way, if you've listened to Mike McCarthy this off season, it should scare you. He's talking about, yeah. we need to run the ball more. We can, exactly. you know, he's saying Kellen, Kellen Moore wanted to score points. I get that. I used to be like that, but I'm the head coach now. You know, sometimes you just want to run the ball, take care of the ball and let the defense win games for you. Uh, no, you don't, man. Mike. I, yeah, I don't think that's what you want to do. I don't think that's going to be your formula for success. So uh, I was just looking at the odds on FanDuel this morning. 
Eagles plus 110 to win the NFC East. Do you know what the Cowboys are? Did you just look at it? Or do you have a guess? I mean, I'm guessing it's like get Giants plus, like plus 190, plus 200? Plus 165. Oh. Uh, in the NFC, Eagles are plus 330 to come out of the NFC. 49ers are plus 350 to come out of the NFC. And the Cowboys are plus 600. So it's this weird spot where two of the better teams in the conference are in the same division. So like you do have to win the division uh, to get the home field, to get the number one seed all that, but uh, I think the Eagles are in a good spot. The uh, The strength okay. of schedule that that uh, Tom asked about, it's actually very similar. Actually, if you look at uh, some of the projected win totals, which is the best way to do strength of schedule, the Eagles have an easier schedule than the Cowboys. Now, part of that is because the Eagles have to play the Cow. The Eagles don't have to play the Eagles, and the Eagles have a high win total, but the Cowboys' right. overall uh, strength of schedule is actually harder than the Eagles' is. Giants are plus six hundred to win the division on FanDuel, and plus I think that's too. Okay. I think that's too low. I think that's where the plus one sixty five is coming from for the Cowboys. I take a little bit off Dallas, but a little bit still on the Giants. Giants are really well coached, man. Like I'm not gonna again. Like the same lack of seriousness tag belongs to a Daniel Jones led team as belongs to a Mike McCarthy coach team, but still, Giants got a lot of good stuff going for him. All right, next question, Judy's. In Sunset Park, Cliff, if you are uh, available, I need you to try. I know you are a Judy's in Sunset Park uh, fan. I believe that's that's your spot, right? A, a Philly-owned and operated spot. Is that around the corner from you? Give, give us the scoop on Judy's in Sunset Park. Yes, I live in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, New York. Judy's is a fine establishment that is on the corner of 41st and 5th Avenue. Um, it is owned by a Philadelphia guy, my, my guy Sam. We live in the same building. Great guy. Go over to Judy's. It's a coffee slash like beer, uh, you know, beer spot. It's a down to earth bar offering a selection of coffee, wine, and craft beer plus snacks, according to Google. <laughs> yes, that that is that is a perfect way to describe it. Very good vibe in there. Hipstery vibe. You know, you know how it is in Brooklyn. They gotta they gotta I'm make about sure it. you gotta cater to the hipsters. But uh, yes, Judy's is a fine establishment. Shout out to Sam. Good guy. You know, I hope he's listening to this so I can, you know, maybe get a drink or two over there for this big shout out. So shout out to Sam. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to have to check. I'm going to check out the online store, maybe grab a hoodie, a hat, sport. You know, we got these FanDuel TV segments uh, coming out. Merch. We can make like, yeah, they got yeah, great merch. We yeah. can make Judy's our spot. I mean, coffee, <laughs> beer. I saw the snacks. They, yeah. they got a margarita pizza on. Like, <laughs> listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let the mustache grow out. I'm going to grab my uh, flannel. Yeah. I'm going to come up and I'm going to meet Cliff in person yeah. finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to go to Judy's at some point. 100%. If you need hipster help. Chill, I got you. That's no problem. All right, those are my people. That's my folks. <laughs> but yes, yeah, shout out to Judy's. All right, shout out to Judy's. All right, so Judy's in Sunset Park asks, what's up with the Matt Patricia hiring? Haven't heard you guys talk about it yet, but my group chat went absolutely bonkers when his hiring broke. Mr. Pencil is someone I've disliked for a long time, and I like Judy's in Sunset Park more and more as I read this question. Mr. Pencil. Uh, not... <laughs> Not looking forward to seeing him in green, especially with the weird beef between him and Slay. Yeah, Ben, I don't know what happened. Somehow, I feel like we, we've done 7,000 podcasts, and somehow this happened in between like one of our, it must have happened right after we recorded or something where we have not uh, talked about this yet. Uh, your thoughts on Matt Patricia now yeah. being a member of your Philadelphia Eagles. What do you think? Yeah, Judy's in Sunset Park assistant. asks, what's up with the Matt Patricia hiring? You tell me, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, got, I got another for you. Um, so yeah, senior defensive assistant and slash and its cousin, senior offensive assistant, which is what I believe uh, Rich Scangarello was once when he was here, uh, tends to be tenured coach who has attempted to coordinate unit, is no longer trusted to coordinate said unit, but still knows things about how said unit plays. That's kind of how you interpret that role. Uh, Matt Patricia coached and with the New England Patriots for a long time and presumably learned some handy ways to teach techniques, some good drills to, uh, to presumably really, is doing a lot of work there. Yeah. That to really, to really iron down footwork and some nice metaphors to use some good film study strategies. Like that's what you're bringing him in for. You're saying like, this guy's coached for forever. So 
maybe he's got like some levers to pull in terms of like helping a young guy learn how to watch film or or you know how to teach guys eyes to work like you know oh like you know peak lock shed like he's got some nice jargon and some good sayings and metaphors that'll resonate with some guys like that's what you're bringing in that that's what it is for senior defensive assistant why for the guy in that role you want to bring in dude who once notably really pissed off your star corner i'm not sure uh, Matt Patricia, very famously the head coach of the Detroit Lions while Darius Slay was there. He and Darius Slay had a semi-private, semi-public emphasis on the maybe not semi-public, maybe mostly public uh, 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 little uh, insult match and then some, some, some barbed comments thrown in the media that eventually led to Darius Slay getting traded outside of Detroit. So I don't know why you need to bring that individual in. I also think among the many candidates for, you know, good experienced defensive mind that can be a sounding board to Nick Sirianni and a sounding board to Sean Desai, a guy who's just been routinely embarrassed anytime he's had a defense under his control. I don't know why that's the dude. The guy, I, I, I got I got nothing for you. There's no like Sirianni connection. There's no Desai connection. They just wanted to get this guy in. I remember at the combine when Patricia was yet unhired, right? I was hanging at Sean Payton's podium, just like listening to Sean Payton Sean Payton was a, was a big fan of the media at the Combine, doing a lot of media work, Sean Payton was. And uh, he got asked about it from Denver Beat, like, hey, like, what's the situation with Matt Patricia? And I had no idea that there was a situation with Matt Patricia, but there were rumors that he was going to join the staff, right? That Payton was targeting him. And Payton was just up there singing his praises for 90 seconds, man. Just like, Patricia, as good of a defense coach and the ideas that you'll find, the way he commits to players and the techniques, I mean, they're just going bananas on it. And I was looking around like, is anybody else hearing this? Like, are we... This guy, like, do you know, we've, we all have seen him. Like, are you sure? And then I asked somebody afterwards and they were like, oh yeah, like it's a hundred, it's been, it's, it's been leaked. It's a hundred percent. Patricia is joining the Broncos defensive coaching staff. Like it's happening. And, you know, they're, they're trying to like, you know, like, you know, justify it. You know, it kind of came out early and they weren't ready to get it done yet. Now Peyton's kind of kind of like justify it. And then obviously he wasn't hired. I don't know if that was like, you know, it changed the direction, ownership stepping in and kind of being like, well, I don't know about this guy or whatever, but like when you talk to NFL people, they're like, wow, Matt Patricia, what a dude. And they're apparently still doing that in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. So there you go, Judy's in Sunset Park. That's what I've got for you. Yeah, if listen, if 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 we're talking about an Eagles defense that overachieves and it's December and players are coming out saying, man, Matt Patricia, boy, the way he helped me, then I will change my opinion. At this point, it is a joke. It is a move that defies logic that if you were looking for a senior defensive assistant for the role that Benny Souls outlined, that this could be that this would be the best person for the job after you searched far and wide with defensive coaches across America, across the world, that this is the best candidate. I'm sorry, that defies logic uh, to me. He he is Lions teams uh stunk at defense. When he's had success, like all these other Patriots assistants, most of them, they had success when they're rubbing shoulders with Bill Belichick. He was the worst kind of head coach because his players couldn't stand him. It wasn't just Darius Slay. Uh, there was a great Kalen Kaler story. I remember, I'll always remember it after that season where she had a great scene of players in the locker room at the end of the spring with champagne, drinking mimosas because they were so happy they didn't have to sit in a meeting with Matt Patricia until training camp so again slay is on the football team <laughs> slay slay is on the football they worked team. very hard to get slay back on the football I mean, team i mean i mean they brag all the time well we you know we talked to this person about this player this person about this coach they vouched for him we've got what do they call it their cohabitation matrix howie roseman talked about for some reason, there was something about Matt Patricia, uh, whether they're doing Belichick a favor, whether they're doing his agent a favor, it could be one of many things. Uh, he might not even be in the building. He might be at home watching film. I don't know the nature of what his role is going to be. They obviously were aware of what the public perception was going to be, because I, I don't know if you were paying attention that one day, Ben, when uh, they added him McManus, to the website and then they yeah, yanked tweeted him from the out. Website. Yeah, yeah. Tim McManus tweeted out that Matt Patricia's on the Eagles website as a senior defensive assistant, that it could no longer be found. Then Nick Sirianni had a press conference where he didn't, you know, confirm that it was happening. Then before his press conference was over, Adam Schefter, somebody announced that yes, this was confirmed that he was joining the staff. So they're aware of the public perception. It probably won't end up mattering, but I don't know why you're giving this guy a paycheck. I mean, it really should be yeah. like an unpaid internship. 
uh, or something if he wants to be in the building. All it's right. kind. Of, it's Let's nuts, man. Like when you go, yeah. like I'm looking at like other senior defensive assistants in the league. Like there's Joe Vitt, who's with the Broncos right now, who is on the Saints coaching staff for a long time. And I was just with Champagne and the Broncos. There's Al Holcomb, who's on the Bills coaching staff, where he was previously with the Panthers. Like every single Bills coaching staff in the entire world, he yeah. has the Panthers connection, right? All these dudes are just like, they're all they're all legacy. Like Terrell Austin with Mike Tomlin last year. Like they're all legacy guys. They're all dudes yeah. who I knew from back then who did this thing for me in the in the other days and just get them on shoulder the shoulder to and, lean on, shoulder to yeah. lean on, trusted voice type guys. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody in this entire coaching staff knows about <laughs> Patricia. <laughs> and he's not known for being like, let Kumbaya buddy buddy, let's make quick friends. I don't know, man. I don't get it. Yeah, I, maybe there's a connection we don't know. If I were Sean Desai, that would not like I would have a long list of people I would rather have be my senior defensive assistant uh, over him. Uh, we'll see what his actual role is. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back talk a little Jalen Hurts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with twenty five thousand miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. We had a, a few Jalen Hurts questions. The first one, John says, obviously Jalen Hurts was great last year, but which areas would you like to see, to see him improve in 2023? Mm. Did you have anything specific in mind there that you would like to read like a like a August 18th story about how Jalen Hurts is talking about how he's really made strides in area X? Is there something that stands out to you? I mean, I think if there's going to be an August 18th story, it's going to be about protecting himself from hits, right? It's going to be like, because even like aside from his like taking the contact against the Bears and the shoulder injury and, and that, like that, that's so much the discourse you hear about running quarterbacks overall, right? Like it doesn't require Jalen Hurts taking a lot of hits and like getting a second injury for him to be able to say like, all right, I see what's happening to Kyler and Lamar and Justin Fields even who gets injured a lot and Tua and Tua doesn't scramble as much, but still like Tua gets thrown to the ground quite a bit. Uh, and like, this is the thing I'm going to be proactive about. I'm going to take very seriously. That's always my thing with a running quarterback is like, what are you doing to protect yourself? How you learn to, to pick your spots when you're going to, you know, play with contacts. So you have to be able to do that and be comfortable doing that. And when you're going to, you know, really choose to avoid contact for the sake of longevity. Uh, so there's that. I would say that that last year, the, the primary thing that Hurts and the Eagles struggled against was the blitz, blitz recognition yeah. and, and blitz response. And I think that that's a tough thing to. Again, like, you know, the August of it all. It's a tough thing to kind of really prep for in the summer, but it's something you want to be talking about with the offensive coaching staff, talk with the defensive coaching staff, talk with Matt Patricia. Be like, Matt, when you're dialing up a blitz, like, what does it look like, buddy? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so uh, it's something that you, you can be working on. I would say that for sure. Um, Hurts his anticipation as a passer, his accuracy as a passer, his work over the middle of the field, all improved last season. There's still not the strengths of his game. There's still not like, you know, 
at the highest level like of the quarterbacks with which he gets mentioned, right? If you put like that big top eight of like Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, like that's top, that's a top seven, I think. Hurts is like anticipation and thrown a tight window is frankly probably seventh of those seven. It's quite it's good. It's just like when when we're talking about the elite tier of quarterbacking, that area where he still improved upon dramatically last season uh, is still the area in which he would continue to need to improve. Um, he honestly like the game that gives you the most kind of excitement and faith about that is is the game played against the Chiefs. Like he just threw the ball so well in that second half, where you're like, oh okay, like if we could just get this guy to believe that every single pass attempt was one score game against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yeah. This guy would be cooking, right? He threw so well running on the move to his left, which has been a weakness of his. So there's, I think there's reason to believe he's going to continue to improve there. It's okay if he doesn't. He's he's already stepped kind of into that top 10 family of quarterbacking without having that that skill at the level of a Joe Burrow, at the level of Patrick Mahomes. But that's that's going to be the spot where he can always continue to improve. It's the same thing with, with like Russ and Russ's primes. Like, okay, can you just like reach a floor here such that your downfield accuracy and your creation, like you can still do all of that and that's where you win. You're just not hampering us in this area. And he's cleared that bar, but the better you can get, the more de- the more developed you're going to be, the more multifarious you're going to be, the more hard you are going to be to defend. So that's the stuff. But at this point, little stuff, man. He's a good player. Yeah, I mean, he made so many improvements from 2021 to 2022 in the areas you mentioned. I remember when I was in C- Seattle, I mean, Pete Carroll was really hammering home that like, like five years in is when like quarterbacks start to, you know, really feel comfortable with a lot of these things. Like it takes a lot of reps. It takes a lot of time to, to graduate, to figure out, Hey, here's what I'm looking at. Here's what I need to do all those things. And so that that's going to be a continuous process for Jalen Hurts. He's still so young. The one I wrote down was just the blitz. I mean, we talked about that. It felt like every week, almost last year. And if you look at the numbers, he was 20th in success rate against the Blitz, 21st in EPA per play against the Blitz. I don't think that's all him, by the way. QB school on YouTube, every time they do, every time JT O'Sullivan does an Eagles game, he points out they're getting blitzed and Jalen Hurts doesn't have hots to get to uh, in their scheme. Yeah, well, and J- ha- J- have the answer. JT's at quarterback. I know what you said. And, yeah, JT's an ex-quarterback. So anytime an ex-quarterback's evaluating a QB, he got blitzed. He's like, where's the back? Where's the tight end? Which I was like, all right, guys, all right, fellas, listen, it's on the QB. The number one thing that drives me, that's that, like, if you were to maybe pick one thing about X quarterback film analysis that always gets my goat, it's when the QB gets blitzed. And they're like, how the wide receiver not see this? Break the round off hot. It's like, the wide receiver doesn't give a hoot, man. Like, this is on the quarterback. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that might, you know, it's either a Hurts thing or a team thing, but that's something they obviously can get better at. And then there was a follow-up question from Tom who said, from a skill level perspective, is there any possible regression for Hertz? Any stats that he has significantly outperformed the mean? I'm thinking back to Wentz's unreal third down efficiency in the Super Bowl season as an example. And so I did the research on this one. So there are a couple things. One is the Eagles red zone performance last year. They converted 67.8% of their red zone trips into touchdowns. Bananas. That was their, as a team, that was their best percentage in True Media's database, which goes back to 2000. So they could still be a very good red zone team. It's unlikely that they're going to convert uh, into touchdowns at that high of a clip. And then there's the random stuff you always look at. I mean, they faced the sixth easiest schedule of opposing defenses. When you look at DVOA, they had the fourth uh, most healthy offense. When you look at football outsiders, adjusted games, lost metric, they're probably their depth is going to be tested a little more uh, offensively. But in terms of like Hertz as a passer, like third and fourth downs, I mean, he's like, you know, in the top 10, but he's not far and away number one. Um, and so that was a that's a big one that can vary year to year. You know, third down. How do you perform fourth down? How do you perform? And so that's kind of a good sign that they weren't wildly outliers in those areas where they're absolutely going to come back to earth. The other one I got here is Hertz as a rusher last year. So this is kind of wild. Uh, since 2000, there have been 1,080 NFL players with at least 100 designed rushes in a season. Jalen Hurts' success rate among that group last year ranks first out of yeah. 1,000. 
and 80. Now, a lot the success rate is a great metric because like you're you can look at yards per carry and it doesn't tell the whole story because of those QB sneaks. So when he was running the football, and again, these aren't scrambles, these are option runs, designed runs, QB sneaks. Uh, it takes out kneel down. So those are not in the equation. He was successful 64.8% of the time last year. That has not happened with an NFL player in the last 23 years who's carried the ball at least 100 times. So is he still going to be a very good runner? Yes. Is he going to be like historically uh, have the best, you know, one of the most efficient rushing seasons of all time? Maybe not. So I think that's another another area where you look at that certainly could, could come back to the pack. Yeah, I would say like if, from a league-wide perspective, if there's anything that's like meteoric right now that eventually is going to kind of have to come back down to earth, it's just QB rush game in general, right? Like the entire foundation of how did the Eagles get a second round quarterback into the Super Bowl is the league undervalued how much the QB rush mattered. Like that was the thing that Jim yeah. Hurts did so well from day one in Alabama to his last day at Oklahoma and 52 teams, Eagles included, passed on that, right? 52 picks before you got to 53 where they took them. The the number one thing an NFL defense is trying to figure out right now is how to deal with mobile quarterbacks. And if and if you're listening to that and your response is, well, like, you just can't, I kind of agree with you. But there's going to be ways to take the wind out of the sails, right? There's going to be ways to take it from being this, like, absolute silver bullet problem solver to, like, all right, this is a good tool for an offense to have, but it doesn't necessarily kill us every single time we're out there. And so I think that's not really Jalen Hurts' regression so much as that is like a league-wide regression, a league-wide balancing of the scales, but it would be that. And then it's going to be the, the, the third and fourth down success, right? Like, especially the third and one, fourth and one. Like, uh, the short yardage stuff, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, though. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, you might right. just have a quarterback who squats 600 pounds and is going to get those at a high, maybe not as high of a clip, but a pretty high clip. I don't know. Right. And that, and that, and that, but that's why I say it's regression. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yeah. like, I think Hertz is going to still be 600 pounds. I think the push push is still going to work. I think Jason Kelsey is still going to be an incredible submarine on those plays. I think, though, that the amount of attention that it got in the rules committee means that the, NFL was really attentive to stopping it. And because they didn't stop right. it in the rules committee, it means there's going to be a lot more defensive game planning around it. It's still going to work well, but I would imagine you're more likely to, lo to lose a few of those and gain a few of those. I think you're up at the ceiling in terms of how, how well that play worked. And that's regression to a T, right? It's nobody does anything worse. It's just, okay, last year we, you know, beat the Cardinals in that tricky, weird week five game because of this play. And this year we lost to them because we didn't get that, that fourth and one conversion. And, that's just the way the coin lands sometimes when you flip it. Yeah, I don't know what schematically teams can do. I wonder if their answer is going to be like, we are going to like do stuff to Jalen Hurts on those plays, whether it's take a big man and just jump over the top and land on him, or hey, if you get a little personal foul by grabbing uh, the helmet or whatever. But yeah, it obviously frustrated some teams to such mm -hmm. a degree that I don't think they're going to go into these games and be like, oh yeah, you know, just hey, low man wins. And we like that, that didn't work for anybody. There was, they had all year to figure out a way to stop it and they didn't. So we'll see if they come up with something else. All right. Chef Scott, a loyal listener, who is a possible step up candidate for the birds. Kayvon Wallace was playing. He says Kayvon Wallace was playing better later in the season. Can Sean decide unlock something? Sean Bradley, Cliff's boy, Temple Tough, maybe a special teams uh, ace and contributes on defense. Zach McPherson, maybe get some playing time if they have injuries uh, at cornerback. Someone else. Do you have a, a, a name yeah. here? Maybe like a, yeah, who do, who do you got? To me, the, the number one by a mile is Nolan Williams. I. Milton just came along so nicely there. At, I at thought the you said season. Nolan Williams, and I go, who are you? Who in the world are you talking about? Milton. Did they just sign somebody? That, Milton. Okay, Milton got I'm bad at pronouncing my T's. I get, <laughs> I get yelled at it for podcasts a lot. Like I'll say like Mitten instead of Mit Mitten. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I always reduce that. And so Milton becomes Mil Milton for me, and gotcha. it, it makes it a little muddy. Yeah, I'm bad at pronouncing my T's in the middle of words. <laughs> um, Milton Williams. Uh, who came along so nicely uh, a a along the end of last season as a penetration, undersized, pass-rushing, interior defensive lineman, right? Uh, a role that they had filled quite nicely because they already had Fletcher Cox and they had Dominican Sue and they could set up Javon Hargrave to be that if they wanted him to have that role instead of having a nose tackle role. Like, they had three guys they really liked who could do it, and then they would throw Milton Williams out there on, like, a goal line set, and he'd, like, swim a guy on third and goal and get a TFL, and you're like sick that dude can play more like i love that 
But there's just not, yeah. there's too many mouths to feed, right? And, and he, his role is pretty limited as opposed to some of those other guys who can be more versatile. Now, no Indomitian Sue, no uh, Javon Hargrave, you bring in Jalen Carter, right? But you look at that defensive line rotation, you go, okay, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox. The fourth job right there is between him and Contavious Street, right? And, and I think what Milton showed you last season is better than you've ever, anything you've ever seen from Contavious Street. And you'd rather Milton win that job over Contavious Street because he's the guy that you drafted. He's the guy that's a homegrown talent. You want to develop him and show that your young middle round picks are going to be good, right? Uh, so I think Williams is a great candidate to like keep Fletcher Cox's snaps below 50% by filling that role opposite him, by being that foil to him, right? And, and, and being able to stay on the field justifiably, help keep Fletch fresh, and also not make the Eagles rely too much on Fletcher Cox. Because last time they were relying very heavily on Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox did not have that great of a season. Uh, and so Milton, to me, is, is, is the huge step-up candidate. I know we see the depth at interior defensive line a little bit differently, but that's an important role, in my opinion, for how much they rotate those guys. Uh, and Williams is, is set up to take it. I think that's a good one. Yeah, he, he was uh, very good in the second half of last season. He's a good player. He showed promise the year before. That's a good one. I dug a little deeper. What about what about like a Reed Blankenship? Is he going to be a starter? I know he's not like Reed Blankenship is not getting so. anyone uh, that excited, but he could start. He was a rookie last year. He was a UDFA and he started four games and he was not a liability. I know that doesn't sound like, wow, what a ringing endorsement was not a liability. For many of you who have watched Eagles football since Brian Dawkins signed with the Denver Broncos, you have seen many a safety who is a liability. That is a position that can get targeted. That is a position that can stand out when you have someone who's not up to the challenge that can get exposed quickly. Uh, I know in the in Jonathan Gannon's defense, a lot of times you can just stand back there uh, 25 yards and hang out. But at the same time, I thought Blankenship uh, did some good things there. So that was just one that I had in mind. I mean, still a, a young player uh, was fine last year when he played maybe can improve a little bit. All right. On the same note, Obed asks, which second year player do you predict will make the biggest impact? I think I answered this one when I had the birds with friends guys on, but I was like, oh, I get Benny Souls's take uh, on this one. Which second year player do you think is, uh, you know, we're going to be saying, all right, they got this one right. He's, uh, he, he's playing well here. I think I know who it's going to be. Are you still confident? Let's see. Well, I, I'm not going to decide who you think it is. I'm not saying Jordan Davis. It's okay. N'Kobe. Okay. It's N'Kobe. Okay. It's, it, Interesting. All right. N'Kobe is uh, a great player. Like, we, we, we didn't, we weren't doing this pod when they drafted N'Kobe, right? Uh, and then by the time we started doing the show, it was clear that he wasn't going to start. We answered questions about, like, can he get a role, whatever. And it was kind of like, all right, they very clearly just want him to back up TJ Edwards right now. So I don't think he's going to play next to TJ. They're going to leave Kazir out there. And then, Kazir and TJ stayed healthy all season. You never saw him. So it has not been strongly established, but allow me to strongly establish it. I loved N'Kobe Dean. But wow, you are N'Kobe. a sizist. You do not like yeah. the undersized players. So why yeah. did you love N'Kobe Dean coming out? Because he's good. Because he's cause it's the same <laughs> thing with Nolan Smith. I'm, I'm a sizist on Nolan Smith's too small. But these Georgia boys are so fundamentally good against the run. It makes you not care, right? Your concern is they're going to get big boy. N'Kobe just excellent, excellent player at dealing with his size deficiency. You always get on me because of how much I like David Long, the linebacker previously with the Titans, now with the Dolphins. <laughs> David Long's 5'11", right? He should not be able to play middle linebacker the way that he does. But some guys have the necessary traits, right? They have the skills, right? I, I remember when Jeremiah Wusukoromoa came out of Notre Dame and everybody was like obsessed with the speed linebacker and I was watching him. I was like, I don't think he can play behind the trees, man. Like, I don't think he has the necessary physical traits. Then you watch Nakobe and you go like, this is what it looks like. Like This is the velocity and the intention and the technique that you have to arrive into contact if you're going to be playing linebacker at a weight that's somewhere in the 230s. Now, I, I think Nakobe Dean is a marvelous player who fell because of injury concerns and because his size knocked him off some boards. Eagles slip him up in the third round. He doesn't get to play in year one. Clear path to starting in year two. And I expect him to be a high-tier starter. Or, uh, Height your starters too far. I expect him to be like a, as good as you get out of a third round pick. You know what I'm saying? I expect him to be a, a quality starter for the Eagles defense. He's going to have warts on him because it's first year starting at the NFL level. But Nakobe is the guy who has the clearest path to a ton of playing time. And I think has the ability to be really, really impactful in this defense. John Desai defense, man, like linebackers need to be able to play it. Like you need at least one linebacker who can play on all three downs, right? 
Now, and we always thought Desai like called the defense one year in Chicago and then Seattle. But if you just extrapolate from like Vic Fangio defenses in general, that middle linebacker's got to be able to play. Uh, and Nakobe's lined up for all those snaps right now. There's like Nick Morrow and him. Like that's 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 got to be the starting two. I think Nakobe's going to be a, a rock solid player for the Eagles. That would be a huge win for them. I mean, he's the guy who is 100% going to have the opportunity to play and prove himself. And it would be really exciting if he did end up being a good player. Last year, I know he was a rookie, but I mean, we we were on here talking about Kaiser White's not exactly tearing it up. Like, he, I, I kind of wish if there were a point in there where they said, hey, Nicobe Dean looks great in practice. Let's give him a, a shot here. And I know that was a question we got every week. It never happened. They never felt like he was going to be enough. Are we allowed now Kaiser to? White. With, with all the data we have about Jonathan Gannon at this point, are we allowed to assume irrational actor and say, yeah, yes, it would point. have been a good idea? That. Yeah, But I don't know if we yeah. can trust Jonathan Gannon to have made a good decision at any <laughs> point during last season. That's a, that's a good point. I, I think that would be a nice outcome for us if N'Kobe Dean comes out and is awesome. And then we can also yell about Gannon and then, for and not then, playing right. N'Kobe Dean as a he rookie. Like a game that's winning play. He has a game-winning play in week four, <laughs> right? He's like the star of the show, post-game presser, right? He's chatting. And somebody like Jimmy Kemsky gives him a nice like, Nicobe, like, why didn't you play at all last year if you always felt like you were this ready? Like Nicobe's giving quotes. He's like, I've been ready. I've been ready since week one. I love him. So happy to be out here. And Nicobe's just like, well, they never let me play Will. And so they just didn't let How me about- on the field. Gives a nice like no, short. No, I would prefer this. No, no, no. I would prefer this. You got to ask JG. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. He's a good <laughs> no, 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 no. Move on. But, but you know he was telling the truth when he said it. Right, you know exactly. I, mean? I, you, you see, I would you like see, one of those. Yeah. You see, like, like Jordan Davis and Hassan Reddick, like, giggling over on the side, right? Or, like, Nicobe, like, shucks and, like, shrugs. And she goes, ah, you know, you gotta, you gotta ask, ask John Gannon that when we play him on this exact date that I know and have remembered and have circled. Week 17! All right. Now, now we have something to root for uh, next season. I went with Cam Jurgens. Didn't feel great about it. I just feel like, uh, Reed Blankenship answer him? part two. He was uh he was a very good prospect. He's gonna get a shot to play right guard. You're playing in between Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. Uh, I feel like he has an opportunity to succeed there, although obviously not a given. All right. Akaliva. I hope I pronounced that right. Should we be concerned about Ben's boy? He didn't write Ben's boy. Jordan Davis. Total non-factor last year. Is there a big de- developmental curve for that? position uh i guess well yeah what are, what are your initial thoughts and then i did a research looking up whether you know it's okay that he didn't do much as a rookie it's fine you don't have to be concerned about jordan davis gonna be okay firstly he was not a total non-factor last season he plays nose there's one dude in mostly the league. a non-factor there's one dude in the league who's like a high sack, high TFL player at nose tackle. He's Dexter Lawrence. He just got given $20 million per year, right? It's a very hard position. Vita Veo when he's healthy. So I'll give you one and a half, right? It's a very difficult position. Even though he's not a high sack guy, it's a very difficult position to fill the box score on. Jordan Davis's job is to do the dirty work that does not get acknowledged in a box score, to, uh, to allow the players behind him and the players around him to succeed in roles built for them. His job is to allow defensive structures that would otherwise not be permissible that would not be playable were he not employed by the team now the success of the eagles run defense was benefited by jordan davis being on the field as opposed to him not being on the field right the structure of their fronts and the way they play in the early downs yeah yeah whatever when he went down and limbaugh joseph plugged back in there was not a drop-off right like like limbaugh did the exact same job as well and so if you're an improvement, if, I would say, yeah. So if, if your concern <laughs> is that the Eagles spent 13 overall small trade up to get a 13 overall to draft a player who's only going to benefit the defense as much as a journeyman nose tackle does that, I think, is a legitimate concern, right? When they spend top 15 pick on Davis, they need him to really be a home wrecker, right? Think about but where Vita Vega got drafted 13. Dexter Lawrence got drafted at 17. Like they really need Did him to be a home wrecker. Do you mean a uh, game wrecker or excuse game, me, game wrecker, game wrecker, game wrecker. <laughs> Uh, so you're laughing, Shiel. I make that mistake. I would say once every nine months. I constantly, accidentally say home wrecker instead of game wrecker for some reason. Like, in did. my head, they're like, like, like longtime listeners will recognize that mistake from like Kiss and Solak shows from like six years. Ago. I constantly say I, the wrong thing there. I didn't know if this was like a new football. Term no, it's just, it's just, it, it, it's, 
Like you know when people like you know you know like like people have things where like they, they have a word that they always mispronounce because they read it one yeah. way and they thought it was pronounced that way. It's that that's for me. I always accidentally say home wrecker instead of game wrecker. It's not good. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, continue. Vita Vea, game wrecker. Dexter Lawrence, game wrecker, top 20 picks, and they play the nose. And so for the Eagles too, I've gotten like return on investment, like positive ROI, good, you know, pick in terms of the economy of football. Then Davis needs to be like a top three, top four nose tackle. And Lawrence wasn't that right away, and neither was Vita Vea that right away. And so it's okay that's taking him a little bit of time. So if you're saying like, all right, like Jordan Davis is not going to be, like I saw him year one, he's not going to be good enough to warrant the 13th overall selection. I hear you. Like that's a legitimate concern. If you're saying like, I watched Jordan Davis last year, he's not going to be good. I disagree. Like he played well last season. And he's got stuff to improve, bond leverage stuff, ends up on the floor a little bit too much, upright out of his stance. But he's, he's a good player. He's doing the job that they asked him to do. Now it's a question of like, are you going to be able to do it well enough to really justify how much we spent to go get you? Uh, I think we see his film a little bit differently from last year. I mean, I thought he was okay. I thought he was average. He didn't get embarrassed at doing the dirty work. Like you mentioned, I don't think it's a great sign that you can sign a mid-30s guy off the street in the middle of the season, and it looks like the run defense gets better uh, with him over the 13th overall pick so yeah he has to be even if he's not a pass rusher at all i think he's got to be more impactful as a run defender than he was last year having said that historically yes defensive tackle is not a position where players come in and like take the league by storm i mean usually it does take them uh two years three years whatever so given his athletic traits i think it'd be a mistake to give up on him. I think for all the cliches about year one to year two, I think those could apply to Jordan Davis, but I am like sort of on the fence. Like, are they going to apply or not? I mean, I think there's a wide range of outcomes. I think it could be week 10 and we're saying he made a big leap and it's kind of at the core of what they're doing defensively. And I think it's possible in week 10 where you go, man, uh, I don't think he hit there. He's really, you don't hear from him in these games. So uh, just looking at it over the last 10 years, 50 defensive linemen taken in the first round. Uh, Davis is one of five who had no sacks and no quarterback hits as a rookie. The other four, LJ Collier, Danny Shelton, Kenny Clark, Robert Kemdiche. And I know, uh, you know, you're right. Not all those guys did not all play uh, nose tackle. Those were not all asked to do the same things Jordan Davis was asked to do, but that's the group there. Now, if you want the positive, Jonathan Allen, who just got what over 20 million, 22 million, whatever yeah. it was, uh, from the commanders. He had one sack as a rookie. Eric Armstead had two sacks as a rookie. Jeffrey Simmons had two sacks as a rookie. Derek Brown had two sacks as a rookie. Quinn and Williams had two and a half sacks. Dexter Lawrence had two and a half sacks. Like these are all guys getting paid at the top of the market who, after one season, uh, you know, no one would say. They were great pass rushers. So I'm in the, let's see it, player to keep an eye on, wide range of outcomes, and we'll see what happens for him in year two. That's where I am with Jordan Davis. All right, a couple more here. James asks, if the team and Sean Desai are expected to maintain the same philosophies as our defense under Gannon, uh, and Nick Sirianni has, has said it's going to be similar, what is actually going to change schematically Seems like we should want to handle top-tier quarterbacks a little better this year, considering the position we've put ourselves in to make another few Super Bowl runs. Uh, my quick take on this is that I think against like the Daniel Joneses, the Kirk Cousins of the world, I think you're going to it, it very well might look similar, and there's nothing wrong with that because the Eagles handled those guys very easily last year. Uh, I think when you get to the great quarterbacks, the good quarterbacks, that's where I want to see what does Desai do that's different than Jonathan Gannon. And looking at the schedule, as we went over in the schedule episode, I mean, the first four weeks are Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, uh, or Sam Howell. So, like, you're probably not going to see a lot of wrinkles, I don't think, uh, in the first yeah. month of the season. Then you get Stafford, Rodgers, and Tua, and then you get that stretch of Dak, Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever's starting for the 49ers, and Dak Prescott. So Jonathan Gannon got so freaking lucky that he doesn't have to face uh, this slate and that he got the head coaching job last year after facing that slate. That's neither he neither here nor there. Benjamin, what do you think of the question? Firstly, uh, all Jonathan Gannon barbs are not neither here or there. They're directly here right now <laughs> here. on this pod yeah. for the rest of time. Um, so yeah, so the answer here is not is not... Uh, satisfactory but when Gannon was hired Gannon was hired 
for his work with under Matt Eberflus and his connection to Mike Zimmer defenses, right? He came from like a, a, an inherently cover two zone family. Uh, and the Zimmer stuff was more aggressive and the Eberflus stuff was a little bit more passive. Uh, and so it was like a question of like, all right, like what's he going to do in Philly? And then he came out in year one. It was very clear he was not going to run Zimmer stuff. He wasn't going to bring linebackers up and stick them in the A-gap, some blitz guys and drop guys. He was going to run Matt Eberflus stuff. And he did. And in year one, it was not that great. And it was pretty passive. In year two, the Eagles loaded up a more defensive talent. James Bradbury, Hassan Reddick, we all know the story. Uh, had a lot of success rushing with four, dropping Severn into coverage and letting their good players be good players. Uh, so fundamentally, they added enough personnel to make a lineup and play defense pretty good at beating you when they out-talented you, out-talented you. The other thing that happened, which we didn't know about in the beginning of the season, but became apparent on the film, we kind of talked about this during the season, and then later we actually found out, Vic Fangio was hired as like a senior defensive assistant, you know, on <laughs> the Matt Patricia thing. Um, but Fangio came in and Gannon's defense took on some uh, Fangio characteristics, right? It took on a, more of a willingness to play quarters instead of cover two, right? Bring, bring the, cor- the cornerbacks off and change the way you play the flats a little bit, change the way the linebackers work a little bit. It was more of a willingness to, to change fronts up a little bit, right? They started working that five down front a lot more than they did in year one. And these were ideas that were borrowed from Fangio. And, and Fangio was obviously there in the building helping install them. But the way we should think about this is grafting branches onto a tree, right? Uh, the fundamental root system, the structure, the DNA, the bones, were again in defense. Eberflus covered two. This is what we this is what we are going to go back to. This is our identity. That was the foundation of the house. You might have remodeled it, knocked down a wall in the kitchen, open concept, right? Bring in some new stuff, little vaulted ceilings. But fundamentally, the house was unchanged. The bones of it were the same. This was a Gannon defense in character, in spirit, in DNA, and it was stealing some Fangio stuff to solve some of its problems. Desai is from Fangio. His bones are different. His foundation is different, right? He 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 came up under Fangio. That, Gannon's defense was grafting Fangio ideas in. Desai is running Fangio stuff. Like the methodology, the, the, the language, the, the, the theory, like how we solve problems is all Fangio script, which in my opinion is just objectively better, right? If you, if you, with my understanding of where the league's defenses are and where elite quarterbacks are, if you told me, hey, you can hire a coach off of Matt Eberflus's tree or hire a coach off of Vic Fangio's tree, who would you hire? Sight unseen, I'd say Vic Fangio. I want a guy who speaks that language and, and, and knows which levers to pull, which buttons to push when you're getting Shanahan play action, when you're getting spread, when you're getting mobile quarterback. Fundamentally, Eagles are going to line up in some five down fronts on early downs. They're going to line up in some four man fronts on late downs. They're going to line up with their corners off and they're going to play split field coverages. And a lot of the big stuff still going to look the same. What it's going to boil down to is right. Like when you face an elite quarterback, when you have a good enough offensive line that your pass rush isn't just straight winning the game for you, when you have a good enough opposing receiving core that your corners can't just dominate, when it's playoff football, when it's January, when everybody's good and everybody's game planned out the wazoo, the decide defense is going to fall back on Vic Fangio principles, which have worked a lot better for a lot longer against elite quarterbacks and common NFL offenses than Gannon's defense, which like we saw the Super Bowl just fell back on what it knew, right? This is the core of what we do is we rush four, we drop seven, we play with zone, we try to rally up and tackle. So that's an unsatisfactory answer because visually, there's not going to be a lot that's different. These are like, certainly against the non-elite quarterbacks, even against the elite quarterbacks, it's still going to like look the same. Hopefully, there's going to be a difference in demeanor, a difference in intention, a difference in, in, in an understanding of how to solve problems because Desai speaks a different language than Gannon did. Desai came from a different background than, than Gannon did. Desai's, the core philosophy of how this defense is built is different from Desai to Gannon, even if some of the larger pictures, the larger contours look the same. That's a big, long answer of saying, like, nothing, but hopefully something. Uh, and and yeah. then that's about uh, as all we know about Desai's future defense with the Eagles to this point. Yeah, and with with new coaches, we always look at who influenced them, what tree they're from, but every person is different. Everyone has their own ideas. He's also working for a head coach. What are the head coach's goals? What does Nick Sirianni want? But yeah, Desai, I mean, talked about this when he met with the media last week saying Vic Fangio has been one of the biggest 
influences on him, sat with him for five years or however long they were together. He said, I know why his frustrations are the way they are in terms of a lot of people talking about his scheme and his system, because he should be very prideful because he established an identity for himself and his defenses for over 30 years. And the reality is not everybody is doing it the same way he is. And so Desai was pointing out only a few people have spent the time he has working under Fangio, really learning it yeah. uh, under Fangio. And so uh, that's pretty exciting. I mean, when you, when you, if you heard that answer or looked at that answer, I mean, this is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL over the last, whatever, 20 From? years. Dunmore, Pennsylvania, Dunmore High School, uh, East Stroudsburg University. Go East Stroudsburg, okay. Northeast represent. Phillies fan, uh, of course. Uh, so yeah, that that's exciting when you read about that. I mean, that's if you look at what's happening in the league, that's the tree you want to be from. And we'll see what kind of spin he puts on it. All right, we'll finish with this one. Matt asks, Ben, give us the lowdown on your fishing this summer. What baits are you using? I, I don't even know what that means, so I'm curious to hear your answer. Fishing in streams or on a boat. Sheil, how often are you able to get away and golf for an afternoon? He wishes us a happy summer and a happy summer to you, Matt. Thanks for asking. All right. All right. Here's the situation. What do you got? Everybody should know how to fish. (laughs) Fishing is a critical skill. Um, I recently just learned how to fly fish. I did not previously know how to fly fish. I only ever came up on like spinning rods, right? The stuff you give your kids, right? Just kind of like throw it out there and go. Uh, so my body's I'm nodding like I do fish. when the HVAC guy is telling me things. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. So my body took me out to a stream. Fly fishing is the one where they're holding the line and they're kind of just whipping the rod back and forth and it looks really cool. That's where they're like standing okay. in rivers with waders on. I you can know, you picture the, this. Yeah. The guy standing yeah, in rivers with waders this. on. That guy's usually fly fishing. Uh, so okay. my buddies just took me out, taught me how to fly fish, picked it up. I liked it a lot. Uh, we have a couple trips planned in northern Michigan uh, later this summer. Go up into some of the, the, the streams up where it's cold and where the trout are running. Uh, and it's uh, not overfished. I'm very excited about do some camping, do some catch and cook. Going to be a good time. Um, but a lot of that's like that's that's more in the future. What I typically like to do, he asked, like boat versus stream. I want to take two rods, take a a, a, a a spinning rod and a bait caster, and I put on a fishing a backpack. Right, I get some soft plastics, get some senkos. Right, maybe maybe a crankbait from feeling juicy, uh, and then I go and I walk the banks of a, of of lakes here in the in the western Michigan area. <laughs> I don't have a boat. I can't haul a boat. And that's like a lot of like a boat is a lot of like upkeep and, and logistics and headache. And to me, what's joyful is I wake up one morning, weather's good, don't have too much to do at home. And I go, all right, I'm going to go fishing today. And I throw a couple rods in the car. I go and I, and I just get to walk around and just I go to lakes never been to before. And sometimes there's nowhere to cast. And sometimes it's clearly overfished. Nothing's going to bite. But at least I went and walked around the lake for the day. Uh, and so to me, like, that's that's the part of it that I, I, I really enjoy. So that's what I've done to this point pre-spawn so right now a lot of, a lot of texas rig a lot of soft plastics a lot of sit that stuff down eight ten feet of water little little tickle little tap 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 little wiggle uh wait to get a big hit fishing's a joy man it's a great time i mean you might as well have been speaking another language i had no idea what was going on there but i'm glad you enjoy it you answered this question uh to answer your question matt uh i'd like to try to get out once a week, I would say, from Once now until man. Uh, uh, training camp, you know, you kind of you, you get a little bit uh, obsessed. Once you start, you stink at it. You try to get a little bit better at one thing. You're feeling good. Then all of a sudden, you take a huge step back and you stink. Uh, so when you're old, it's good. It takes practice. It takes patience. It's a fun thing to work on that you're not good at. You're outside. You're with friends. It's a social event. You walk, but it's not like physically, you know, demanding where you're doing some kind of crazy workout. So uh, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And Can I, I ask a golf question? Continue. This drives me nuts. Yeah. I don't I golf at all. I've never answer, golfed yeah. in my life. Go ahead. So people all the time are always like, oh, I went out today. I shot a 103. Right? I shot like a 96. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Isn't the yeah. whole point of like the plus minus scoring system that you see on TV explaining to me whether that's good or not because i don't know if that's good or not if you're like i shot a 98 i'm like congrats or i'm sorry like i'm not sure that i don't know what that number means but if you're like i was plus four then it's like oh that's pretty good you know what i'm saying you only were only four over par like that's you had a solid day golfing like the plus minus system scoring wise solves my problem and i feel like no golfers yeah. use it they just use the the number and i'm totally lost well, I think the default you can assume, unless they say otherwise, is that it's like a 72 
is is par. And so if they're 100, then they would be 28 uh, over par. I think there are some courses where it's not going to be uh, 72, I believe. But I think the standard, like every course I feel like I play, it's just, you know, how many am I am I 38 over 72? What I mean, plus minus wouldn't really help someone like me because at like a minimum, I'm going to be like plus like 30 okay. something that uh, but still, over so just par, like i had no idea that 72 is the base number right so whenever yeah. people say 100 like i like in my head right that could have been plus four could have been minus four i don't know so now i'm just gonna oh. rel- make all no- scores relative to 72 which again should still be done with plus oh. minus but whatever and then i'll know it could be there you go all right uh, that'll wrap it up for this show. Uh, I am away next week going to see the Spotify headquarters in Stockholm. Very nice. Any listeners, I, I know nothing about Stockholm. I'm doing a star a little online research. If anyone has has information about Stockholm, what to see, all I like to do on vacation, and I think I have one day there where I don't have work stuff, I just like to walk around. That's all I want to do, walk around, grab a coffee, get something to eat. So if you have recommendations, eat, coffee, walk, what I should say, uh, please send them my way. Either tweet at me or message me uh, on Instagram at Shield Kapadia. So I think we won't, we'll not have an Eagle show next week. We're going to, you know, kind of take it easy a little bit for the next uh, little bit while we have some vacation coming up. If anything happens, of course, we will jump on here. Uh, I don't think the feed will not be completely dark. We'll have other stuff uh, to talk about, but it will not be the weekly Eagle show that you're accustomed to. All right. Thanks to everyone for the questions. Thanks to Benny Souls. Thanks to Cliff Augustine. I'm Sheila Capati. We'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly special. Peace.